Awareness for the coup, or you know, I feel like I just felt the need that you know everyone has different strengths, and we come from different disciplines. So I think I was just really interested in how we can utilize and maximize our different backgrounds. So that's why I invited you guys here today. <laughs> But if everyone can introduce where we are, what we studied, and like our background and connection to. Burma. I guess I'll just introduce myself first. So, hello, I'm Hyun. I'm at Parsons School of Design, and I do fashion design. I'm in my senior year. So, with my thesis, I was kind of I was working with an intergenerational group, and I'm really invested in like cultural exchange and like education. And food was a big part of the research because like we share so much memories with food and um. So yeah, when the coup happened in February, it kind of made me like pause and think about my discipline. And wait, yeah, did you go to Burma to study this? So I'm Korean, but I lived in Burma for four years in、um, middle school until like beginning of high school. Oh yeah, thousands from Burma. Yeah, I'm. <clears throat> I'm a Myanmar.、Um, I'm from Myanmar. I'm a Burmese student here in the United States. I don't see. Oh, there's a button that says gallery. Okay, gallery. You know what I really use? Okay, now I have. My name is Han.、Um, I am actually a senior here at University of Central Oklahoma. I've been in、um, Edmond, Oklahoma, for about four years now. I'm studying early childhood education. I also have a minor in leadership. So I, I truly am the only students, technically, who has an international student status, coming directly from Myanmar here at UCO. We have a couple of Burmese American and Burmese refugee students here at、um, at my university, but. But、um, technically, I'm the only one who is considered international students from Myanmar. I didn't hear which state are you from?、Um, I am currently in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, okay. I'm in New York. Oh, you're in New York. Yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of Burmese people there in New York. Probably New York or LA are probably like the most famous destination for a lot of Burmese people, especially with students. Yeah. Yeah, in since '88, a lot of Burmese came over. But I came here very longer than before that.、Okay. When I came here, like very few Burmese. Now it's like so many different boroughs, you know. I saw some of your、um, I think it was an article from your school about education in Burma. And it was also interesting to see how you've been engaging in activism in your community. I was just very curious to hear from you as well, from on that perspective.、Um, but who wants to go next? I can go. So basically, Hyun and I are in the same class. I also study fashion, but right now I'm in New York. I don't have like a direct connection with Burma, but political. Events that happens in Hong Kong is really like kind of similar to like in Burma. So he want to ask if I would like to join this crew, and I'm like cool, and <laughs> that's why I'm here. I don't like know a lot about stories behind what is happening there. So I hope that through this conversation, I'll be able to learn a bit more. So um, my project isn't like、mm, related to politics and stuff. But basically, my project is kind of like a problem-solving project to me. So it's more on like sustainability and stuff. And yeah. Okay. I'm Kate. I'm currently in Seattle, Washington.、Uh, I graduated back in 2019 with a degree in biochemistry and molecular biology. So not really anything to do with art. I'm Chinese. I was adopted from China, but have lived in the states my whole life, pretty much. 
on the side, I have art Instagram that I run and just kind of like a really small side hustle with that. But through my art page, I started doing fundraisers almost a year ago now, actually. I started for COVID and started selling line art that was personalized. So people would send me a photo and I would send them back a piece of like a line drawing of the photo they had sent me. And I asked for only $3 so that it was accessible to everyone. And it didn't feel like they were spending a ton of money because I know people are also very tight with cash in the current pandemic. And I was expecting, you know, maybe $100. And for COVID itself, I think I raised like over $3,000. And then just kind of throughout this year, keeping up with the, the politics, especially in the U.S., has been a lot. So I had a different fundraiser for Black Lives Matter. I did one for the wildfires. And then most recently, I did one for Myanmar. And I don't have a connection to them, but one of my best friends from college is from Myanmar. So I was learning a lot through her Instagram because she was posting every day. She's also an international student. Her whole family is still in Myanmar and she is posting like her sister is there protesting right now. I know her mom and her family had lost you know, internet and power for a couple days, like a lot of very like scary things for her. And so just talking to her about it, I was learning more about the coup and wanted to not only support her and figure out what I could do to help her, but also support the people there. And obviously it's another social justice matter that is important to talk about, especially since we had like an attempted coup here in the States and not anywhere near on the same level as how bad it is there, but just kind of keeping up with the politics and current time and seeing the most like what I could do because I don't have $3,000 of my own money to donate but uh just little things from everyone helps contribute to make a bigger impact yeah that's great I mean I saw Kate's work on Instagram and I contacted her if you don't mind I want to share posts from Instagram just to get people give people an idea of yeah of course I don't know if you do you draw and then have those funds go to a donation that's specific to the coup or so this one is the first donation that I sent to GoFundMe because I was looking for when I donate money off I look for a 501c3 which is basically a nonprofit organization and I look for really small orgs that don't get a lot of support so for example the first place I sent money to during COVID was a Native American charity Mm-hmm. And they're providing PPE for frontline workers on reservations because they're so overlooked by the government and they aren't getting the support like Feed America or something. I don't even know what other ones like Red Cross gets a ton of donations. And so sending money off to them isn't as impactful. Mm-hmm. And then just for the coup, I was having a hard time finding any business or any nonprofit that was like very openly supporting the coup because they will get in more trouble. There's a couple websites that my friend had shared with me, and one of them was just like I support Myanmar.com and a couple others, and they all have links to different fundraisers. So I ended up sending the money off to a GoFundMe that was being run by some Australian child, then sending the money to Myanmar. And they had people on the ground who were very discreet and made sure that the money was going to a local organization, mm-hmm. but not publicizing it. So those who were running it weren't getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. thank you for doing that that's awesome oh (laughs) thank you my name is Irene and um I lived in New York for a long time I came here when I was like 12 13 we left because of also because of the military Mm -hmm. uh you know dictatorship Mm -hmm. that my parents were not 
happy about that. And uh, so for our future, they brought us here to America. So I've been here since a uh, long time ago, more than 30 years. <laughs> and um, I studied fashion. My parents were in, in Burma. They had a tailor shop. Oh, they were in the fashion. Wow. So kind of I was born to this business, you know, all my life I was grew up in a, this business. So I went to FIT and I became a designer until I got my first child. My mother said that, you know what, I want to enjoy my life and I want to, you know, go to senior center. I, I won't be able to take care of your kids. So yeah, my husband and I, we decided to, you know, I raised, I, I quit the job and I raised um kid so now I have four <laughs> so my youngest is eight <laughs> my eldest is like what 18 Ooh. and um they're all in art school oh, they really? are in very good in art they oh. went to my train and then now they went to art and design now because of COVID my eldest chose uh FIT also so she stayed in New York went to mm -hmm. FIT you know, life changes. And, um, my second one is in art and design in high school in New York. Mm -hmm. And my third is applying mm -hmm. for that too. So <laughs> all, all, oh, wow. all, my, all my kids are in, in, um, in art, <laughs> running the blood. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, do your children, are, are they familiar with, you know, Burmese culture or? Yes, I took them for, I mean, we do celebrate all kinds of activity and holidays. I took them for, I guess you you stayed there for four years. So I guess you are familiar with it, the Jan. It's, it's a Burmese. Uh, <laughs> so we we have, we celebrate here. So every year I brought them to, you know, celebrate in a, in a city mm -hmm. where they play water and familiar uh, with that. We have a big community, Burmese community, and uh, we cook, you know, Burmese food at home. So they do, uh, my, my husband, Actually, my ex-husband now, I just divorced him. <laughs> He's Italian, so they are half Italian. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to go to Burma, but ne never had a chance. First of all, they were afraid of very hot. <laughs> Second is bugs. <laughs> <Because I can't. laughs> but other than that, they would love to see, you know, the culture when their mother come from. And then they like Burmese food. I try to teach them Burmese I mean, I continue speaking Burmese and I know how to read Burmese very well mm -hmm. because of my sister mm -hmm. continue teaching me, even though I came here very young. I have a dual citizen with the Europe and America. I have to give up my Burmese citizenship. So I no longer have that. <laughs> Recently, about four or five years, my sister has jewelry shop. So we kind of designed together. Wait, so do you guys produce your own jewelry and uh, like you cast it or you um, design it? Yeah. Yeah, we mostly design our own with the handmade, with the pearls. We do import jade, ruby, sapphire. So whenever we want some kind of jade, we will ask in Burma already, you know, curve and uh, design and uh, then we bring it back. Yeah, I was going to ask if you guys source from Burma because, you know, Burma has like, yes. so much, you know, do, <laughs> do have a connection, so. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. I'm also really into jewelry and, um, yeah, and really into that these days with my thesis too but that's great I was actually thinking a lot about you know if if jewelry can speak a message on you know what's happening right now too you know even with the three fingers symbol it's like yes. very iconic with the fingers and like jewelry or yeah I think when it first happened it started in Hong Kong started in Hong Kong Right. And then you spread to Thailand in Myanmar. Yeah, I think 
it, it was inspiring to see everyone kind of getting together in Southeast Asia with all these different movements. Part of my question was also like, we all are kind of struggling with the same issues of democracy and human rights, like, and just beyond Southeast Asia too, like, I feel like we could better support each other. But that was just, you know, some of the questions that I was having. And also, I, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, because again, we are ha- having to see the Milk Tea Alliance that is started by the, a lot of young people from Hong Kong. It's kind of being restored in the sub-region of uh, <clears throat> Southeast Asia. And one thing that I will want to point out, though, I'm an early childhood education major. Part of my major, I have to study the nature of the kids, psychology, SPECT, especially that has to deal with parenting education. Mm-hmm. One thing that I've been noticing a lot, though, is the culture, the, even like the parenting culture, the culture within the family, the culture within the society is very dictatorial, very authoritarian. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we are lacking a lot of democratic value in the region of Asia. If we look at almost all of the Asian countries, we struggle with democracy. We have one or other forms of dictatorial leadership present in almost every country, including India, Myanmar, Hong Kong, China, Thailand, Singapore, Thailand, and I just don't think that this is just a political situation anymore. I do believe I, I'm seeing this more of a social issue that we need to address at the society level, the community level, and even within our families. Because as much as people are asking for democracy, asking for freedom, these values are still being violated in their households every day. You know, Asian culture, leadership, and kind of like authoritarian authority figures are mostly time with men and very masculine feature. I think that's, that is a problem that is contributing. That might probably even be the root cause that we have not thoroughly investigated yet of why we are seeing a lot of these kind of struggles within the region, why we're still having these kind of problems every once in a while, every once in every year. That's just something that I've been in my mind lately um, as a early child education major. I'm personally dating an American and I can even see a lot of cultural value differences between my family and then American families, how the way that they run. I mean, we are here Asians. We know how hard it is to argue with our parents. We know how inappropriate to even tell our feelings and you know what we want, honestly. So I don't think we will be able to solve all of this problem if we just keep focusing on the political aspect of it. Because one way or the other, these kind of dictatorial leadership are gonna resurrect it if we keep holding on these authoritarian um, values in our society. That's just my opinion. I definitely agree with that. I think that it's something people just in the States even are dealing with and not necessarily like within the household, but more like almost like us versus them generational thing, like boomers and millennials and whatever. And so a lot of the discussions right now and American politics like oh all the old boomers don't like this and blah 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 some of it I agree with some of it I don't but I think a lot of the things we're seeing right now are 
so much led by people our age and people who are younger, which I think is exciting. And I think a lot of it, like, yes, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's very much just a social justice issue and it's political and it's been becoming polit political more than it should because when it comes down to it, it should be a human, a social justice, human lives message and like issue. And it shouldn't have to be like, oh, well, you're older, you're younger, you're a Democrat, you're liberal. It should be like, no, people are dying. It, everyone should care about this. Yes, it has to be a discussion where we talk to our families and we talk to older generations. But I think a lot of it also comes from talking with our generation and just like even just spreading awareness because we get kids who are being raised in still like narrow-minded families or more conservative households. And so I think to some degree, educating is really important. And it's, it's not... There's a fine line between like shoving opinions people throat and being like, no, like this is what it has to be versus like, hey, like this is a thing that exists. Like we don't have to be so authoritarian. We don't have to do this. And as, if you're, are you going to be a teacher? Yes. Okay, yeah. One of my housemates is a teacher. Um, oh, awesome. And like she works with seventh, sixth and seventh graders. And I think it's really cool because she'll talk to them like within her scope of being a teacher about you know, she was talking about hate crimes the other day in her class, and she has to approach it in a very specific way, but educating people our age, educating the kids who are younger than us, and, you know, are the future, that they are not only aware of what's going on, but also can form their own opinions on it, and I think if you teach them a non-biased way, they will be able to come to an opinion that's more based on social justice, versus, I know, like, when I was in school, I grew up in Massachusetts, and we were taught, like, the pilgrims landed and everyone was really happy and the Native Americans welcomed them and it was very like very biased and very false narrative and I think if we just stop doing that and we give them just like hey this is what's happening you don't have to make it overly bad but you can be like yes cops are killing people in Burma they're killing people in America they're killing black people not only connecting with the kids and giving them the facts communicating with our age people communicating with older generations and younger generations, I think it all helps too. No, you made a, a really good point and even brought up a few idea that um, in my mind, I particularly think that I'm particularly, I'm very hopeful for the younger generation, especially with the Generation Z, because we're more voc vocal about these issues. We are um, oh, yeah. more open to discuss about um, a lot of things openly, even regardless of the genders, regardless of age yeah. regardless of citizenship because I think I don't I can't talk on behalf of um, anyone outside of Burma because I was in military under military dictatorship until you know 2010 I have never been out of the country this is the first time I've ever been in a foreign country so one thing that I noticed with my parents Burmese parents they usually struggle with that they usually struggle with having a open dialogue there are a lot more topics that they don't want to talk to children that are needed to mm -hmm. have a conversation. There are a lot of restriction on what they want us to know and what they don't want us to know. And I think that is even problematic ever because as an education major, my whole philosophy is that you can talk to children about a lot of things but you just got to be mm -hmm. mindful of the content. It's not the fact that you cannot talk to them. You can talk to them literally any topic, I would say. You just have to 
make sure the content is developmentally appropriate so that they can understand it and not traumatizing for them. I was, uh, I was raised in the military dictatorship era. So my parents literally never talked to me about any political things because they have this mindset that, first of all, if I am educated in politics and if I speak out, I'll get arrested. So they said, we're not talking to them. And also the way that you're talking about a lot of things tying in you know, with the family structure in intergeneration thing, something that brought up in my mind that I have learned in one of my early China courses, we are at one chapter of our textbook, we were literally discussing about how children, young children are being prejudiced because usually prejudice is something that somebody assumes about other person without actually knowing that person. So yeah. in that context, what ended up happening is adults usually think that children cannot solve problems. Children cannot understand concept children cannot even set regulate. So what they are doing is they're actually doing these prejudiced behavior on children and not trusting them, given the reason that they have more experiences. That is not true, which clearly state by, stated by the pandemic, because when the pandemic hit, young people are most of the time the one who were kind of am ready and old people, usually elder generation struggle with technology and the mm-hmm. sudden shift of the walk environment, the work culture, and even digital citizenship. They don't know what to do with digital citizenship. They don't know what is okay to be posted, what is not okay to be posted, what media should they trust, what media should they not trust. So... Yeah. That's just a very clear example that just because you have um, a lot of experience does not mean that you are equipped to face every challenges because the world is evolving at a very, very high rate. And we are going to be, one day we're going to be in their shoes, the elder generation too, where we can't even catch up anymore with the pace. So I just your statement just made me think of that fact that these um, young children, younger generation being prejudiced just because the elder generation is used of having more experience. I don't want to dominate, but I just want to say something too, because I totally agree with that. And I think it's important to understand that kids are way smarter than we and like older generations give them credit. Like they know what's going on. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're too young to hear about this. And so they either grew up very ignorant or they turned to now we have social media, we have internet, they can find a ton of stuff for themselves. And you're right, it is like a hard place for them to navigate and, you know, finding different opinions online and finding true facts and, you know, very prejudiced opinions versus, you know, whatever. But I think it's also, that is a way and I think that's that's what I kind of focus on more and not even intentionally but reaching out via social media I think is a really important way and nowadays I I get like most of my news via like social media and it'll be from like you know postal like newspapers like actual accredited sources but I find it on like Instagram and Facebook and so I think that's a cool new tool I guess as well I said um I want to say is I would agree with 
what the older generation in the old time that they have more knowledge because we have no social media, no internet. So we have to learn, learn through the experience. The older we have to tell us, you know, this is right, this is wrong. And then you have to learn from the mistake. But now we cannot really say it because now you get knowledge and getting things very fast because of our social media and internet. Mm -hmm. That's why in Burma, what's happening is different from 1962 and 1988 because at that time there's no social media, nothing connection mm -hmm. through like get the uh, information out fast enough or you will not get the information unless journalists come over or whatever, you know, we have to sneak out the information and the tape and whatever. But now it's like, it happens now, it's already out. <laughs> it's spread out all over the you know, news. So that's how 21st century, everybody's learning and getting information. The war is getting smaller because of that. Before we, we don't have that kind of access to yeah. get the information. So that's another thing. So that's why the old people always listen to us. They are always right, you know? But this generation, different story. I, I can't even tell, talk to my kids. They say, Ma, I know, I know more than you because I have, a, I have Google. <laughs> yeah, I just have to Google it. I, I know before you and I have this Instagram, I have a Twitter, I have a TikTok, I have this. <laughs> so, so, no, but you're, but, that's uh, a good point too, because I know in Myanmar, they've shut off internet and they're giving the news that is on television all propaganda so it's like weight behind experience age and knowledge as opposed to you know either not having access to or being fed false media false news well one thing though that internet cut off and the internet uh just making think of an example that i just faced um three three weeks ago the social media ban happened so the younger generation has found a way this is kind of not appropriate but i'm just gonna say it so most of the porn website in Myanmar are restricted. Ooh. So the younger generation has always found a way using VPNs to access those things. So mm -hmm. when, the, smart. when they took off um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram off the server, the younger generation was like, we can do it. So <laughs> literally what ended up happening is I am, I, I'm the only child in my household. I live with my parents and my grandparents from my dad's side. So who are left in my house right now are my parents and my grandparents who are, you know, older in the older generation. And what ended up happening is um, I couldn't contact them because there were internet was off and on and at irregular time. Um, so one day I, so my friends are already back on Facebook and the only social media, a lot of Burmese people are familiar back then was Facebook. They don't use a lot of Twitter. Yen uh, Burmese generation use Instagram, but still we don't use a lot of Twitter. I even have a Twitter account, which I don't use until the coup happened. So what happened is I personally communicate with my family back home through Facebook, Facebook messengers, because you can video call, you can chat, you can do everything back then. So my friends are already back on Facebook. They're using VPNs and they were able to access their Facebook account, but my family was not, none of them were. So I was like, maybe they don't 
know how to do VPNs and stuff. So I literally asked one of my friends to go over to their house and set up VPNs for them. And they refused for two days because they think it's too complicated, it's too new to them. Um, and then that just made me realize that our mindset right now is to take the risk and learn from it. Yeah. Our mindset back there is not to take a risk and be safe. Mm-hmm. So I think those kind of psychological mindset got in our way of the intergeneration gap as well, which is very, very funny. And a week after what ended up happening is the crackdown, the violent crackdown started. And there was a, you know, moms posting on social media, telling each other not to let their daughters go out on the protest because they think that women wouldn't in in the in the case of violent crackdown women would not be able to solve you know problem and escape or do something which is not true in our generation i was so surprised and and a new social media post went viral within younger generation i even supported and posted about it what it said is is again not appropriate but i think it was sort of kind of like a a powerful statement what we ended instead of posting is if i am a guide i said um i believe in the 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 women in myanmar especially our generation because we have watched porn together and we talked about these topics that our older generation not think and whatever we said is if we can sneak around if women if burmese women can you know young women can sneak around watching porn within the same household because we live very collectively so we don't move out we don't live independently we live in a tight household so what we end up saying is if the younger Burmese women can sneak around their parents grandparents asses porn and watch those they clearly can find a way to uh, avoid the military and police crackdown so uh, that, that started it and well again a lot of parents were mad we think that we're rude and not appropriate but at the same time it just kind of a shift you know yeah are you from Yango? I'm from Bogo I am um, Bogo that's why because I'm from Manly oh, so awesome. my generations I'm on Facebook to connect with all my friends Mm-hmm. My Facebook is just to have a, it's a private, so it's just my friends and relatives in here in Burma. My Instagram is public, it's a different story. So my generations are willing to learn and accept. So mm-hmm. when this thing came, they already knew that military already announced that we're going to shut down yeah. the internet. They already talk about VPN and we're going to do this. It's just one hour before you knew it, they already up and uh, posting. I say, you guys mm-hmm. shut down. No, no, we got a VPN. You guys, they already start talking about it. <laughs> so I guess this past 10 years, I guess make them open their eyes. And oh, make definitely. Them- definitely. So our generation still is still technology is okay but not my mother generation <laughs> but uh, since my mother's here for almost 40 years don't worry about her she's uh, she's 89 years old she's on the ipad she's on uh <laughs> she's like something happened 
teach me this. I want to learn this. I mean, she, you know, because she's speaking American, she's willing to learn. But a lot of older generations, they are so afraid because we've been brainwashed. You cannot do, oh, yeah. can do that. Yeah. It's different from, uh, uh, depend on where you are from. If you are from a capital, you know, big city and a small open-minded, like, you, you know, when you are come from a small town, then it's a little bit different. The way they, they have they have to be very conservative. You cannot talk like this. Mm -hmm. You cannot, you know, like let's not do this, let's not do that. People's gonna talk, you know. Once you something happened, the whole town knows about it. <laughs> That's the thing, you know. Yeah. So but big city now, I mean Mandalay is different than Yangon because Yangon is like they don't even know each other, um, a yeah. neighbor, you know? Yeah. So you can do whatever you want. Nobody knew about this, but Manali is different, you know? Not the whole town will talk about it, but your neighbor would talk about it. Now, this <laughs> past 10 years, not really. It's like people are kind of drifting apart, more more mm -hmm. like a big city, you know, like more New York, mm -hmm. you my own business, I mind my own business, not, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit different now, so. But I, yeah, I totally agree. The tenure has made a lot of differences that we can actually see even in the uprising right now that we are doing um, in uh, in all of the in all across the generations. One thing particularly though that you mentioned that I really like is um, the the culture shift. Burmese culture usually struggle with social boundaries, yes. what to talk about other people's life and what not to talk about. Um, because personally, like my mom is interested to know about my friend's relationship and stuff. And I was like, mom, that's not, that's not yours. No, like you have nothing to do with, you know. So I think that culture is still in there. One more thing. We're in a generation who use lots of meme. And we use a, a lot of um, slang and stuff to communicate with each other that the past generation might not make sense of these things. What I'm seeing is um, right now, like we're posting on social media with these slangs, memes and stuff, which are not true, obviously in a literal sense, but they deliver a message. So the older generation are dying to find out what we're talking about and they can't, they can't quite make sense of what we're talking. So. At the other hand, they are also kind of irritated all the time too, that these younger generation are having these conversation with slang that they can't catch up with. So, and a, a very near example, a week ago, there was a, a car who ran into the one of the policemen. I, I'm sure some of you might probably have seen it. So a car run into the police crowd and hit one of the police actually mm. and there is a fa famous singer um called um young lay his name is like little rabbit oh he, yes he went viral i i i read the story <laughs> you read the story so i he went viral uh for his song one of his song like kind of recon reconciling um the military and the democratic government and people are like, this is obviously not realistic. This is not going to happen. So obviously, in a typical sense, he got canceled out, basically, for that. Um, but um, when that thing happened, the car accident thing happened, younger generation was sarcastically saying that the driver actually was the singer. 
older generation in my mind, they took it as a literal meaning. And they actually believed it. They actually believed it. It took me three days to explain my parents that that is not true. They're trying to make fun of it. <laughs> yeah, it was- We got it right away. I'm glad that you heard that story already. Oh, my Facebook, something happened. I'm already got it. Okay. My, I, have, um, I went to school with my since elementary. Uh, I left at sixth grade. So since kindergarten to sixth grade, we the same class. Mm -hmm. So we got reconnect from uh, Facebook. I went back two times. I'm, and then Facebook is most, I think 90% are for me. <laughs> for me. So I got the news just like that. <laughs> so I knew everything's what's going on. Which they already let us know which block is already being like searched. <laughs> they warn everybody. They have, you know, police trucks. So this street, stay away from that. Everybody, I mean, my Facebook is right now is just all about Burma communicating with each other and let us know. And then right away, I, we, we posted our, from Burma, they are really fighting. And from outside, we are fighting with the social media. So we just like, our two piece. So we just like, okay, hashtag our two piece. For me, I think what was intriguing about Burma specifically was also, it's such a generational trauma. Like there's been like generations of the same thing happening, but it's like a different experience with every generation and time. And so it's the same governmental oppression, the same thing. And like, we kind of know what to expect, but the time is different and the generation leading it is different. So like really different results come out. These days, it's literally those stupid memes that don't make sense that mm -hmm. really connects people. You know, there was a viral video in the begin beginning of the coup where this gym instructor was dancing with the coup happening oh, behind him, right? And I was looking at the YouTube views. It was like 213,000 views or something. And then I looked at the BBC news covering the first, you know, events of the coup and it was only like... 10,000 or something. Imagine all those people looking at those viral videos and that's how they're kind of like, they get to at least like have some sense of what's going on. The strength, strengths behind having such an intergenerational movement. We say Generation Z is leading it, but also the older generation has such a role to play. They've experienced it and they have a different kind of knowledge and seeing the different stories on Instagram I don't know, the older generation supporting Gen Z kids who are going out to protest or, you know, different people mm -hmm. providing either emotional needs or, you know, food needs. One um, thing that I want to say, though, um, I am also working and coordinating with virtual demonstration movement. Yeah. Uh, we had had people, Burmese people and other citizens across the world join every Saturday, 8 p.m. CST, Central Standard Time. If you guys want to join, I can send you guys um, the registration link. It's on every Saturday. We do programs, demonstration um, in both English and Burmese. Um, we have different things every Saturday. Uh, I have spoke um, at there. I help out coordinating the event and I also spoke a couple of times. They read poems, times they play piano, sometimes they sing songs and stuff. So we got, sometimes we got 72K people in the waiting room, so we can only allow 500, including the team of us. 
So we always, always broadcast it live on Facebook as well. If yeah. you can get in. Yeah, if you guys want have any piece of art or anything that you want to share, um, that will be relevant. Oh, um, wait, Kate, you can even announce your fundraiser. Right. Yeah, that would be good. But what if we just drop our social media and then we can yeah. like create a chat either on Facebook or on Instagram, wherever, and continue? Well, I really appreciate every one of you joining. Yeah, thank you guys for being here. It's been so good to talk to y'all. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Nice meeting you all.